Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Providence Journal's College Basketball Podcast. This is Bill Koch, sports writer for the Journal, from my Warwick home on a lovely Monday morning. Uh, I am joined by my two co-conspirators, as usual. First, the sports director at ABC6, the weekend co-host of Cordishi and Coit on WEI Providence. Nick Coit, ladies and gentlemen. Coity, how we living? Living well, because getting ready for the, the storm that is coming couple weeks from now fellas it's gonna be march and we are starting to talk about and think about scenarios more seriously by the day and that is uh that is a fun thing that's what we look forward to also joined by the sports director at wpri and fox providence maury hirsch gordon maury how we doing babe i opened my laptop for the first time since the yukon nova game and and it still reeks of beer and it's still sticky all over the keyboard my fingers are stuck to the keys as i was logging into zoom here uh i mean it was a great saturday but come on pc students let's go wake up and uh let's go be a little bit more classy listen to your ad i've had a lot of beer at a lot of games and maybe been drunk at a few of them and never felt the need to throw cans at somebody or something so no Bad look for the PC students. You can do better than that. And don't tell me it's the venue's fault because they're selling to you. And don't tell me that it's the school's fault because they want you to be rowdy. And don't tell me it's the coach's fault because he wants you to create an atmosphere. Don't be jerks. It's really not that hard. Don't be jerks. When you throw beer cans in your house, your parents would slap you. At least I hope they would. Yeah. So stop. Cut it out. Don't waste a good beer. Don't waste a good beer. Don't waste a good beer. (laughs) How much are they charging now for a tall boy there? A lot. Have you seen those prices? They're like 15 bucks for a tall boy. Jeez. But that's funny that you guys, we're calling them tall boys, but they're they're not, they're more like daddy cans, fellas. Those are huge. Wait, wait. Yeah, they're 24s, right? I think so. 24s? I think they are. Those things are huge. I think they are. Not not that I would indulge on my meager sports writer salary. I can't be buying beers that expensive. <laughs> I cannot. Give me a, a, until they corner the market on like Bush Light. I am out. <laughs> I am out. Like I'm not getting a 24 ounce truly for you know twenty two dollars or whatever. Oh God. Like I, that's not happening. Oh God. It's not. No, but just a, a Bud Lazy can work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, give me give me a Bud Light. Yeah, I'm not going to progress the Bud Heavy. I mean, 24 ounces of that, yikes. Ugh. Wouldn't be feeling good, for sure. Yeah, but we'll we'll dispense with the beer talk. See what I did there? And uh, we will move on to the Friars. Uh, and actually, we will use the Friars as the lead-in to uh, what we're going to do on this edition of the pod. We're going to take a look at postseason chances as they stand now for all eight of our teams, men's and women's. Uh, And we'll start with Providence because right now they're the only NCAA tournament lock, the Providence men. Uh, Their most recent game, 85-72 over Villanova. Um, Friars wrapped that up before the beer shower began uh, at both ends of the student section. Uh, But as Providence sits here, uh, the most recent update I saw on bracket matrix on Sunday has them on the seven line. Uh, I think that's generally where you'll find them somewhere between the six and the eight line at, at this point. And, and they could probably max out at a five seed. If they really go on a run here, if they win at UConn, if they beat Xavier at home, if they do damage in the big East tournament. Uh, but for right now, guys, they're certainly our best hope, um, you know, and have played good basketball throughout the year. Their metrics support the fact they will be in the NCAA tournament for the seventh time under a Cooley. Um, you know, and you have to think that, uh, you know, as RG tunes in and, and <laughs> us, offers his opinion, um, you'd have to think that that Providence is going to be right there uh, and has a chance to play their way into a favorable seed on Selection Sunday. Yeah, they're they're playing well. Uh, different guys are stepping forward every night. You know, this past week, Bill, you know, it's Devin Carter – in the double overtime win, um, you know, over the weekend, clearly uh, the Friars are trying to get to the rim, control the paint. And it was Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell controlling things. Um, and so they just they have a lot of different guys that can step forward on different nights uh, and it makes them a really, really dangerous team. And so if they can continue to have that here down the stretch, um, you know, the Big East title is not out of reach yet. Um, you know, the Marquette Creighton game is going to be a big one to watch on Tuesday. Um, you know, because if Marquette can win that one, 
They really, they're in the driver's seat right now. You win that one, you're really in the driver's seat. Um, and so, you know, interesting to see how that plays out down the stretch because obviously it's going to affect seeding for the Big East tournament itself. Um, you know, and the Friars obviously want to, you know, have as high a seed as possible there. Uh, give yourself a decent matchup there for the quarterfinal. Try to make a run there at Madison Square Garden. And as you said, try to bump that seat up in the NCAA tournament. You know, the, the more wins you can get, the better. And I think that's that's going to be the theme here <laughs> with all the teams that we talk about, guys, is we talk about scenarios and everything like that. But best thing these teams can do is just win, baby. Al Davis, win, baby. And, you know, the Friars are, they're doing the, mo- the most in any team, you know, in the state in terms of that winning. And so, you know, look at their scenarios and you say, well, they keep piling these up. They're going to be in good shape. Yeah. And regardless of if you can get to that Big East regular season championship again or not, uh, it's so, so crucial for the Friars to try to get off the seven line and just up to at least the six. Because by being in that seven to 10 range in March, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed. Um, you know, to face the one or the two seed in the second round, uh, you know, barring some barring some crazy upset, uh, you get to the six. I think your chances are uh, significantly uh, improved to uh, have a chance to to obviously win the first round, uh, but also have a chance to get to that second weekend. And once you're in the second weekend, anything can happen. Um, so, you know, these games are these games are crucial, even if Marquette wins Tuesday night and it looks like they'll run away with the title. Still important to, to climb the way up the Big East standings. If you can get UConn, the way that UConn is perceived nationally, still despite being uh, just nine and seven in the league, um, you know th- that that would be that that would be quite a win uh, for PC. I think it looks like they're going to have well, they de- definitely have two quad one games left on their schedule, regular season wise. Uh, they potentially could have a third or a fourth in the Big East tournament, depending on matchups and if they continue to advance. If you can get another two quad one wins, whether that's two in the regular season or split UConn Xavier and get one at Madison Square Garden uh, in a potential Big East quarterfinal or Big East semifinal, I think that's the way you get to the six. Koch, like you mentioned, I think yeah, I think five is is the max. I mean, maybe if they won seven straight, won the Big East championship, they could slide in as the last four, but. Uh, yeah, I think right now it's about five is their ceiling. Yeah, so Providence is 38 in the net. They're 29 in Ken Palm as we sit here on Monday morning. And, you know, you look at seed histories and, and what they've done in the NCAA tournament starting from 1985 through through, through 2002. Uh, the eight seeds in the first round are 57 and 71. Oddly, the nine seeds have a, uh, a big advantage in, in that. Uh, 20 and 62 in the second round. Uh, the seven seeds are 75 and 52 in the first round, 42 and 68 in the second round. The six seeds is where you see a big jump, 81 and 47 in the first round, 53 and 58 in the second round. So you have a much better chance of surviving and get to the Sweet 16 like Providence did last year, the higher you move up. Uh, you know, And it is within their reach. Obviously, UConn, is a quadrant one game. If Providence wins that, they lock in no worse than the four seed. Uh, they relegate UConn to either the five or the six seed in the upcoming Big East tournament, uh, and they would keep pace for potentially a second seed. Um, you know, you're looking at Creighton, Creighton, Xavier, and Marquette, and Providence, basically in their own four-team league at, at this point. Uh, you know, PC has... Quadrant one game left at home with Xavier, a quadrant two game left at home with Seton Hall. The one caveat to all this, guys, is do not lose at Georgetown. (laughs) Because if that happened, we'd have a disaster on our hands. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, but I, Bill, you've said it before. Um, You know, I I just, I look at a game like that and I I just think the Friars are, are too, they're too good to drop a game like that. Um, I just don't, I don't expect that. This isn't, you know, that I, I expect them to take care of business the way that they should. Um, and so I, I don't I don't I don't worry too much about that, um, you know, and yeah, I, I just think they take care of business whenever they have to, you know, even in a game where maybe they're struggling at one point, whatever a team goes on a run. I just don't think they're going to allow that to happen. Yeah. Also, also of note this morning, uh, the St. Louis loss jumped up to a quad two loss Ooh. as opposed to a quad three loss. 
Uh, obviously far from set uh, as we're still a few weeks out from the big bracket reveal, but uh, that's definitely something to monitor as we scoreboard watch Tuesday night, Great Marquette. Also important to, if you're a Friar fan, to continue to root on the Billikens because um, that quad three loss to a quad two loss, you know, potentially could mean sliding from the top seven to the last six. And uh, as Bill just outlined, you know, that that could potentially be the difference between uh, playing deep into March and, and just enjoying a first or second round game. It's just wonderful that we're having this conversation so early about the Providence men. The fact that they have, you know, barring a disaster here down the stretch, have pretty much punched their ticket, uh, you know, before they go to Madison Square Garden. Uh, and, and we look forward to seeing how much uh, further they can take this. And that starts Wednesday at UConn. Uh, they'd be looking for a sweep of the season series. Uh, they obviously beat them at home earlier in the year. Um, you know, really a statement win at the time. UConn was, you know, a team that had played in the top five, was really good in the non-conference. That's why their metrics are so high. The work that they did early, uh, realistically, they could be like a 10-10 and 10 team in the Big East and still come away with a five or six seed because of how well they performed non-conference uh, and, and how well the predictive metrics regard them. They're still a top 10 team in Ken Palm, despite their struggles. Um, you know, so big test for the Friars on Wednesday night. Uh, Maury, you'll be making the trip with me. Coit, you as well? Yes, I'll be there. Yeah, looking yeah. looking forward to it. And it's, like you said, it's a big opportunity. Um, go to Gamble. You know, if you can if you can take away a road win there, um, it does wonders for you. It knocks UConn down. Um, you know, because Maury said it, I, there's still a lot of national thought you know that's that's high about UConn because of what they did in the non-conference because of the talent they have there um you know when they're playing at their best you know there's they're still one of the best teams if not the best team in the conference it's just that it's been so up and down um, and they've just been beat up by some of these you know battle-tested teams in the big east and you know when providence has players that have sort of been there before you know, like an Ed Croswell, who was, you know, fantastic on Saturday and has been fantastic through, you know, Big East play, um, you know, that that helps their cause. You know, there's I think there's something to being an experienced veteran battle tested player that helps your squad. And that's why I think a guy like Ed Croswell is just so I mean, we've talked about him here the last couple of podcasts, but he's just so valuable to you because he's just consistently good knows the things that he needs to do to help his team win. That's it's so valuable. Yeah. Wednesday is going to be fun, like really yeah. fun because UConn yeah. doesn't want to get swept. It's their senior night. They want to try to continue to, to lock in that number five seed. They don't want to have that great out of conference schedule and then waltz into Madison square garden and have to play Wednesday night at nine 30 as the six seed against Georgetown with about 10 people in the crowd. So uh, they've got a ton to play for and, we just outlined why uh, the game's so important for Providence uh, in terms of their NCAA seeding. Ooh, that's a grim scenario, Maury. You're absolutely right, though. Could you imagine that? UConn, number two. Were they number two at one point? They were number two in the nation? Two, yeah, they were number two. Were they when yeah, they started 14-0? So. Yep. Yeah. Number two in the nation to 9.30 on Wednesday night against Georgetown at the Garden. Yikes. Will any of us be those 10 people in the stands? No. <laughs> no. If if we I might, am in the stands at that point, I will be stealing some tall boys from those PC students. That's that's what I'll be doing <laughs> if, if I am in the stands at at nine thirty at night on the Wednesday at the Garden. Uh, you know, but otherwise, no. If I'm in the stands, then it will not be sober, and it will not be on press row. I I guarantee you that. Um, so looking forward to to making the trip out to to Gamble. Uh, URI, uh, URI, Providence obviously won at Connecticut last year, uh, but that was at XL Center. And I know that the Huskies are, are excited to have this game back on campus. I'm shocked that Dan Hurley plays any home games at XL Center now uh, you know, after losing to the Friars last year. I, I know, uh, you know that's probably a point of contention between him and his athletic department. Um, team with the next best chance for an NCAA tournament bid here is the URI women, uh, you know, the Rams with a huge win on Sunday, uh, rallying past St. Joe's, a uh, game that they trailed by 12 early. They got a late three-pointer from Sophie Phillips to win 58-55. And, 
you know, guys, they're they're at large hopes or are on life support there. Uh, if they lose that game, they're they're pretty much done. Um, you know, there still might not be a path for for them to hear their names called unless they win the Atlantic Ten tournament. But to bounce back from a Thursday loss against UMass, a home game where they got dominated, um, you know, the minute women pulling even with URI atop the A ten standings at thirteen and one, it was critical that that they get back on the right track on Sunday uh, and critical that they could preserve even a sliver of a chance of, of hearing their names called on selection Sunday. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, they, they fall down early too. There's just a little bit of bleed over from that, that UMass loss. Um, you know, the fact they're able to sort of show some resiliency uh, in that game against St. Joseph's, I, that's, it's huge um, because, Obviously, your thought is after the UMass loss, okay, you want to come out strong, right? And you come out the way you come out and you fall behind early. Um, but I thought maybe one of the only silver linings in that loss uh, against UMass was Sophie Phillips. She was probably one of the only players that you saw and were like, okay, giving them a chance to try to string together you know, a run because she's a sniper. I mean, the girl is, she is a heck of a shooter. Um, And it's, it's such a valuable thing for your basketball team. When you have a sniper that can just change the game by putting, stringing together two or three, three pointers in a game. Um, And just the fact that she, you know, takes the last shot, you know, she's one of the only players I think on this team that they'd look at right now and say, who's taking the last shot you'd have confidence in her because you just know she's such a great shooter. Um, And so, you know, it's it's great to see the resiliency because, it, you know, Bill, you and I were were in, you know, the arena uh, on Thursday in that UMass game. And it was it was tough. It was tough to watch because, you know, uh, Rhodey's been so good and they really they met their match. UMass had their way with them. Um, you know, they they took my Tori out of the game. Um, they he, you know, they ran the same Bill and I were talking about after the game on offense. They were running the same action through the paint and. Oh, looks like I'm getting a phone call here too. Jesus, this is bad. Um, <laughs> a lot of distractions in the podcast this morning. Jeez, I like what it. What are we doing here, folks? We're, we're in action. Come on, we're in it's action. Like it's not. It's not a holiday Monday for us, folks. We're up and working. Yeah, it's like hard a here. telemarketer too. Like I got a podcast to do here, folks. Come on. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and they were running the same action uh, offensively, and and Rody just had no answer. And when you're getting beat like that. It's really frustrating. And I'm sure Timmy Reese is like, you know, she's like, we got to, we got to figure out how to stop this. And they couldn't. Um, and so that was tough, but to bounce back the way they did on Sunday, it's a great sign. And you want to build some momentum again, you know, going toward the A-10 tournament. Yeah, no, it is. Piggyback everything you said right there, Nick. Um, to move the conversation forward, you know, as, as you look at that at-large conversation, like Bill brought up at, at first, you know, you see that right now, uh, Charlie Kroom of ESPN has Rhode Island as the uh, one of the four teams in the next four out, uh, and one of the teams as the last four in was Princeton, a game that 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 the Rams could have won uh, in the non-conference schedule. I think you know you could have absorbed the loss to UMass on Thursday if you had taken care of Princeton and Harvard, um, or if you got Princeton or Harvard and 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 ran off an undefeated slate. Uh, in the A-10 and got to the conference championship game. However, you know, w- when you're looking at the teams that are fighting for those last couple spots, pretty much every team is a power five squad. Syracuse, St. John's, West Virginia, Nebraska, Kansas State, Missouri are the teams right above Rhode Island right now. They just will have more opportunity than the Rams going down the stretch. So, um, you know, definitely a, a, a damaging loss. But but really, if you think about it, the margin of error was so thin anyway to get to the dances in that large that it was next to impossible considering their non-conference schedule uh, just didn't have a few more marquee wins. So the goal really remains the same. The loss doesn't really throw them that much off of, uh, um, you know, what what the what the goal was at the beginning of the year and, and how to get to the NCAA tournament, which uh, firmly goes through Delaware and firmly goes through the A-10 championship game. Could have a couple more Quadrant 2 chances here coming up. They're at Fordham. On Wednesday night, that's a quad two game. And and ultimately, if you match up with Fordham again in the A-10 semifinals on a neutral court, so long as they stay in that top 100, that will remain a quad two game. Uh, so you could burnish your resume a little bit by winning those two, but most likely you're going to need the automatic bid 
at the tournament. Uh, Coit, you, going back to what you were saying about Phillips, you, you look at URI's bench in that game, 25-3. to three, the, the depth really showed there, and, and it helped out some of the starters who were having a tough night. Um, Dolly Karen's had all 12 of her points in the first half. Uh, you know, was really important while URI was struggling. She, you know, sort of shot them out of uh, real trouble early. You're down 16 to four. Um, you know, she showed great leadership there. And then Maya Torre starts 0 for 10 from the field, has all six of her points in the last three and a half minutes. And, and guys, that's the player, obviously, they need to get going. Uh, you know, she struggled against UMass as well. I thought it was interesting that her first bucket on Sunday came on a shot that she really had no choice but to take. Uh, clock's running down. She's on the left elbow. It's an open jumper. And instead of thinking and, and you know, sort of processing, hey, I'm 0 for 10, maybe I shouldn't shoot it, it was reacting and instinct. And, oh, I need to shoot it. The clock's running down. I don't think it's a coincidence that she made that one and then started to get going. Um, you know, I think – Good players, you know, great players, even mediocre players. You, you have a chance to get in your own head at times. And she was firmly there from UMass and the first 36 minutes or so against St. Joe's. But they they really need to get her going here the last couple of games against Fordham and then Dayton at home, uh, you know, because if they're going to win the A-10 tournament, they, they need a contribution from her. Um, you know, so you look at the Rams Wednesday night. At Fordham on Rose Hill, that's a seven o'clock start. Um, I assume that's going to be on ESPN Plus. That's generally who picks these up, um, you know. And so you you look at the URI women and you think they've got an outside shot at it. It needs everything to go right. You probably need to win out to the A10 final, and and even then, uh, you know, you're going to be at the committee's mercy. Um, certainly looks like they'll get a second straight NIT bid out of this season at bare minimum, uh, you know, and that was a place that they hadn't been until last year. They've, they've matched a program record with 22 wins. So, you know, URI has, has done great work to this point. We'll see if they're able to finish it off. That'll play out over the next few weeks. Another team with a couple critical weeks coming up, the Brown men guys, and, and they are still right there in terms of an Ivy League tournament bid. Uh, but this past weekend, you know, really the only result that went right for them was Harvard beating Cornell, uh, you know, because otherwise Brown had a tough one. They lost at Princeton. They lost at Penn. They were swept on the road. Uh, the Quakers really beat them up on Saturday night, 90 to 69, a game that they were never really in. Um, and so now we have a three-way log jam atop the league, Yale, Princeton, and Penn, all eight and four, all with a two-game lead on Cornell and Brown. It's looking like those three teams will be in Ivy Madness, uh, you know, barring a major stumble down the stretch. And so now we're left with the last spot between Brown at six and six, Cornell at six and six, Harvard at five and seven, Dartmouth at five and seven. Um, you know, Brown has two games left. They are at Columbia, who's the bottom team in the league, and then they host Yale on the last day of the regular season uh, on March 4th. Uh, Brown could still control its own destiny. Cornell has Columbia at home and then has to go to Yale. Um, you know, they go to Yale first this this upcoming weekend. Uh, so Brown could edge in front uh, of Cornell if the math holds, and then would hold the uh, you know they control their own destiny at the end playing against Yale. But um, you know, guys, not a great weekend of results for the Bears aside from the fact that that Harvard did them a huge favor on Saturday. Yeah, it, and I, I think Mike Martin said, you know, it, he doesn't believe this is who they are, um, but they have to sort of accept like this is part of who they are this year because the weekend happened. Uh, it was what it was. You know, look, the the Princeton Penn trip is has always been a gauntlet for whoever it is in the conference. It's always been very difficult, um, you know, and you're seeing these teams for the second time around, um, you know, and, and obviously – not having a guy like Kaluanya uh, has really, you know, affected at times. You know what the what the Bears can do, uh, and certainly on a weekend like this, you know, first time around they had him against Penn. Um, you know, Penn beat them here, but um, you know, having a guy like that, uh, I think teams looked at it and said, "All right, well, we're gonna, you know, try to attack and make things, you know, very difficult for Keno Lilly Jr., which is exactly what they did. Um, you know, Keno is is such an efficient offensive player." 
you know, it was sort of, you know, uh, interesting to see that it was a, you know, inefficient weekend for him offensively. And I think partly that's due to, you know, what these teams did. They got off to great starts against Brown too. Uh, and I think the bears were playing catch up all night, uh, both nights. And so, um, you know, you take the weekend as it is, you know, and, and you look ahead and, you know, ahead of you, you have at Columbia, as you said, and then, you know, you get Yale at home. I, I, I think we all kind of looked at it at one point and said, you know, that that Yale game at home to end the regular season, it's it's going to mean something and it's going to be huge. You know, Bill and I were talking about tie breaking scenarios for Brown. And, you know, I looked at it, Bill, right now, if the Ivy League tournament started today, according to the tiebreaker scenarios, if I'm not mistaken, Cornell's in over Brown. Yes, they have, you know, matching league records, but it's who's got the best wins over the teams ahead of you in the Ivy League standings. And, you know, Brown obviously beat Princeton, but uh, Cornell beat Penn and Yale. Uh, and so that obviously helps you right now with the way the standings look. And so if you can go and get that Yale win uh, at the end of the season, you know, you sort of match things there, um, you know, unless Cornell were to, you know, get the win at Yale um, as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to look at it, but the bears still have a chance. Again, you got to go and win and you got to bounce back from this past weekend. Uh, you are where you are and, you know, you got to try to go get two wins to end the regular season to get in. Yeah. And it was Brown who gave Yale life when they were in new yeah, Haven right earlier yeah. in the season, they had a chance yeah. to bury them at one and four when Yale was one and three. And, uh, and now the bulldogs have won seven of their last eight. Uh, as they're atop the conference uh, with the other two squads. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this movie before, right? 18-19, they lose on a tiebreaker. They had a win-and-get-in situation. The Bears did at Penn and lost to the Quakers. Um, we know what the pandemic did in 2020, canceling the sport. Uh, but still, they were tied with Penn at 8-6, and six, and they would not have made the Ivy League tournament that year. So uh, here we are again. Uh, Brown firmly in the mix at a potential Ivy League postseason berth. Um, but, uh, it will be, it will be tough. They will still need a little bit of luck down the stretch. Um, the, the other thing is just Brown has never, at least in the, you know, the last five, six years, um, sort of with the advent of this Ivy league postseason tournament, they haven't ever done well as the favorite, you know, Brown has always been good as the underdog when they play with a chip on their shoulder, they beat URI a couple of years ago at home. They beat URI this year at the Ryan center. They go on the road and beat Bryant this year at the chase. Um, you know, when their backs were against the wall, they sweep Dartmouth and Harvard on the road. Anytime they're the favorite and they weren't the favorite in these games this weekend, but anytime they, they have a little bit of, um, you know, they start to play well or, or, you know, they found themselves just one game out of first place heading into last weekend that's just when uh, it seems like they've taken their foot off the gas pedal and they haven't played well. Um, and it's hard to handle success. How do you handle success when things are going well? So uh, now that they've sort of been humbled a little bit, uh, the tails are definitely tucked between their legs as they walk around campus this week. But uh, they, they should feel fortunate that they get Columbia first and then Yale have to take care of business in New York City. Uh, and then we could have a huge day that March 4th. PC plays at home against Seton Hall. You don't know what that could mean for the Friars in a potential, you know, Big East regular season championship, potentially a tie for a championship. Uh, and then John, John on, on over to the east side and uh, and the Piss because I think that's a 7.30 start, uh, Brown Yale to end the season. Like so uh, we've seen how the movie's played out before. Hopefully it's a different ending this time around uh, for Mike Martin and company. Well, and don't forget that day, too. We've got the RIL Swimming Championships on campus at Brown, too. So this is a big day, boys. March 4th. Get ready. Get the we'll staffing pick, ready, we'll picnic on the green. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Some yeah, food from Fire. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Eastside Pockets. Eastside baby. Pockets. Here's your, There's your, Here's your plug. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, elsewhere, we'd have an A-10 women's semifinal that day in Delaware. Uh, oh, in right. Which, so we'd be doing a little scoreboard watching in, in that one if your eye is playing Fordham. Or somebody else is a number three seed, uh, you know. So we we might be making some plans for a late night drive south, uh, you know, for a potential A10 women's championship game on the Sunday. Um, you know, see, this is what we're doing at this point in the year. We're, 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 we're planning <laughs> out plans. scenarios here three weeks, a month from now, you know, five weeks from now. Uh, this this is all a discussion behind the scenes out of the podcast. Um, you know, so Brown has Columbia. Uh, coming up this weekend on Saturday, they are on the road 
that's a 2 p.m. tip uh, in Manhattan. And, you know, Brown will be favored in that game. You know, Ken Palm says he'll win by eight. Who knows? Uh, you know, but that's certainly a game that they need to win. Uh, Columbia did Brown a little bit of a favor um, last weekend by beating Dartmouth at home. Uh, you know, but unfortunately for Brown, they've already swept Dartmouth. They they would have liked to have seen Cornell, uh, you know, go down uh, last weekend a couple times, and and that did not happen. Um, you know, so Brown still with some control of their own destiny here. They need some results to go their way elsewhere. Um, you know, but they still have a chance to to creep into the top four of the Ivy League. Uh, another team that's suddenly playing just to host a home game in the first round of their conference tournament are the Bryant men. Um, you know, right now, guys, they're they're struggling at this point. Uh, you know, they're coming off a bye. Uh, when they go to NJIT on Wednesday night, uh, they had a loss to UMass Lowell at home. They've been swept by the River Hawks. Uh, you know, a game where they got dominated in the last four minutes. Uh, you know, and right now, currently, Bryant is tied with New Hampshire at seven and six in America East. Uh, they've swept the Wildcats, so they do have the tiebreaker there. They still maintain hold on the four seed in the league. They still would get a home game in the America East quarterfinals. But, you know, right now, any chance of playing a semifinal game or, or certainly the championship game on their home court is slipping away. Uh, you know, Bryant at this point looking to try and finish ahead of New Hampshire, and then they can't win a tiebreaker against UMBC. Uh, they were swept by the Retrievers. Uh, their most recent result, 85-71 against UMass Lowell, uh, a game where Everett Hammond had 25 points. Ayende Hakeem added 21, uh, including a couple circus shots late in the last three and a half minutes as UMass Lowell spread out what was a two-point game. Uh, you know, Bryant's got a couple games left here, three, uh, you know, NJIT, Vermont at home, and at Maine to sort themselves out. Uh, and that's going to be an important 120 minutes because right now I don't see how they're going to carry much momentum into the conference tournament. Well, and they, they can thank New Hampshire for helping them out this past weekend, beating UMBC, handing them that seventh loss um, because obviously it puts them, you know, ahead in the standings. You got the tiebreaker, as you mentioned, by sweeping UNH. And so – Conference tournament starts right now. You know, you do have that home game. And so you have a little bit of control there as to how things end up. Um, you know, that Vermont game is going to be huge now. It's going to be huge. Uh, you know, obviously you have to, you know, play well and, and win the games at NGIT and, you know, beat Maine as well. Um, but that Vermont game, I'm looking at it, and that is that's a huge one for you right now. Not only just for the standings and how things play out too, but, you know, you've played Vermont. You've played UMass Lowell twice, you know, teams that are ahead of you in the standings, and they beat you up pretty good. Uh, and so I think mentally, too, I think if you can take care of business and, and if you can win a game against Vermont at home, I, I think it it builds momentum for you. It builds a little confidence for you um, because these upper-tier uh, America East teams have, have certainly beat you up. And, I, you know, UMass Lowell is just a bad matchup for them. I just think their their size, what they can do in the paint, um, it it really just and the fact that you know Bryant likes to get on the run. That is their their best game when they're in transition. And UMass Lowell is a team that I think has been able to combat that because yes, they have the size, but I think that they can run the floor with them as well, um, and sort of like taste of their own medicine sort of thing. Um, and we saw that with you know some of the guard play. A kid like Hakeem, you know, was was really good in the game for them, you know, this past week and. Um, you know, so I think Bryant controls its own destiny, but confidence wise, you want to see them play well here down the stretch because obviously to build a little bit momentum, you know, to try to do some damage there in the America East tournament. Yeah, Bryant's a definition of a middle of the pack team. Uh, they are 0 3 against the two teams above them, and uh, they are 7 and, if my math is correct, 7 and 3 against the, uh, the teams below them. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they go two and one down the stretch. Maybe you can pick off Vermont, gain a little confidence. I think if you can get to ten and six, you might have a chance to get up to the three seed line, um, which could come into play uh, in the championship round. Uh, but right now, it's looking just like just one, just one home game uh, in the conference tournament, uh, which would be that first round, and uh, that's still you know definitely a, an accomplishment. But uh, compared to where they were picked preseason and the hype that the program had coming into the year, 
their big men uh, have definitely fallen short. Um, just looking at a couple of the numbers, like in the three games against the Riverhawks and the Catamounts, Earl Timberlake is is two assists to 14 turnovers or two assists to 15 turnovers. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, Kayvon Kramer fouled out in five minutes and committed two turnovers against the Riverhawks on Wednesday. Did not have one point, shot attempt, rebound, assist, steal, or block. Uh, for a guy that's a pretty central figure to an offense. Not that he scores a whole lot, but just that he's involved. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a stat line like that from um, a top seven or eight piece in a rotation, maybe ever, that I can remember. Uh, and then Antoine Walker, you know, has popped at times, but those are games against Albany and, and UNH, right? When he's conference player of the week, he poured in 33 against UNH or 35, whatever it was. Like He's got some inflated numbers. You look at the games just against those top three teams, he's a pedestrian 10 points a game kind of player. So the front court has really failed Jared Grasso. And he had some pretty honest and, and open comments after the loss on Wednesday and said his team uh, struggles when it gets hard. And in conferences where you go on the road for the tournament and it's not a neutral site, you need mentally strong teams. And at this point, I don't think there's much you can do with three games left in the season. There's no drill you can run to help a team get mentally stronger, mentally tougher. It's You have to go out and, and win games. You have to go out and do it. Uh, there's no drills you can play. You can't play five on seven or or five on eight uh, You know, on an offensive type drill. You, you just sort of have to just uh, understand that, that that's your identity. And I think Jared Grosso's coming to grips with that. Yeah, desperation, last chance, whatever you want to call it, that has to kick in. You know, that sort of fight or flight, uh, you know, that athlete's response in, in circumstances like that, that has to kick in for Bryant. Uh, because you're right, Maury, you, you look at Vermont, Binghamton, and UMass Lowell. Bryant is one and four against that group with one game left, uh, and that's Vermont at home. Those are three teams in front of you. You are not going to win uh, a conference tournament if if you don't upset somebody, you know, or if you don't beat a good team. And and Bryant hasn't done enough of that in the American East. Uh, so they are at NJIT on Wednesday. Uh, you know, that's a chance for them to get right. We'll see whether or not they take it. Uh, and they handled NJIT pretty easily at home earlier in the year. But, you know, right now, as it stands, they're just playing to try to host an American East quarterfinal. And, uh, you know, it's tough circumstances there. Uh, the next four teams we're going to talk about, guys, are teams who who need to win a conference tournaments to be anywhere near the NCAA tournament, and they will all enter as uh, significant underdogs. Uh, we'll start with the URI men, um, you know, who had a great ceremony on Saturday. They honored uh, a couple of their past NCAA tournament teams, the 1988 team that made it to the Sweet 16, the 1998 team that made it to the Elite Eight. Um, unfortunately, the the current group is far off that standard, losing to UMass 69-45. Um, you know, was their worst performance of the season in terms of offense. As we stand here right now, Rhode Island would be the 14 seed in the A-10 tournament. Only Loyola Chicago is below them. Um, you know, and currently that means that they'd be playing on that opening Tuesday of the A-10 tournament at Barclays Center. Uh, guys winning five games in five days, it does not happen. Um, you know, there is a reason for that. First, it is grueling. Second, teams who are seated down there just aren't very good. And, and that's URI at this point. Uh, you know, the Rams dismissing Brayon Freeman from the team last week. Um, that has lessened their offensive attack. Uh, you know, that's certainly something that, that had been building over time. Um, you know, just small things behind the scenes, nothing legal, nothing, uh, you know, academic, you know, no sort of major rupture there but an accumulation of, of things i think that, that ultimately convinced archie miller to move on um you know and so the rams guys you, you look at them you're near one of a rebuild and and this is the ugly side where we're watching the sausage be made this is the difficult part uh of trying to be a successful program and and every coach has gone through it whether it was dan hurley at uri ed cooley's first few years at pc were pretty grim um you know certainly you you see Coaches at successful places go through this, but you know it is tough to watch forty minutes at a time, and and that's what we're seeing right now in Kingston. 
And so in a year like this, you know, what is is left to, to be done, right? Um, especially after a loss like that. And, and I think it's just trying to end the season on a good note, um, trying to, you know, continue to, to build your culture in the right direction, get momentum going into next season. Um, you know, it's a shame that this result came after what was a, a heck of a fight against VCU at home, took a game-winning shot, you know, for the, the visiting Rams to escape there. Um, and that's a game where you look at it and you say, you know, you take that, you take the the win over Dayton at home, and you say, those are the games that I want to be looking at if I'm Archie Miller and saying, this is what we want to be. This is the culture we want to establish. Um, and and I, I think you want to build momentum and, and finish the season strong. But, you know, as ugly as, as the result was on Saturday, I, I do think Archie Miller has gotten his guys to, to buy in, at least the, you know, the guys that are at the, the top of the roster. You know, hearing Ish Leggett, you know, after a devastating loss um, to VCU say, you know, well, th- this is the kind of competitiveness we want to show in every game. That to me is like, okay, well, he's bought in and he's at the top of your roster. And so it's got to trickle down from there. And you've got to add more guys that, okay, are, are b- bought into that. Um, you know, I think Malik Martin has shown that he's been bought into that uh, as well, trying to establish this thing. And so, um, you know, realistically, we, you know, we know where they are. It's year one of a rebuild, you know, whatever you've got left, you know, play well down the stretch, you know, go to New York, see if you can get a win, you know, and, and, you know, build off of that going into next year. That's what you're trying to do here, guys. You're trying to establish a culture. Um, and we've seen bits and pieces of the improvement, you know, from this team, from this roster and, and what this coaching staff has been able to build toward, you know, again, despite what was a, a tough day on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the, the the buy-in has definitely been there, um, but just just what what the first year of a rebuild looks like uh, when the cupboard was really bare, uh, and then you happen to lose a, a player here uh, recently. So um, I think I would like to see them just win a road game. Uh, I know last week or two weeks ago, this I think I had the stat. It was they were one of fifteen teams in the country not to win a road game. Uh, Hartford being one of them who's transitioning from division one to division three. I think that number has sh- shrunken a little bit. I think it's mm-hmm. one of 14 or one of 13 now. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just try to go win a road game here. Um, in the, in the last, the last couple games of the season, they've got four left. Um, you know, a, a win maybe over Loyola Chicago. If you go out there, um, you, know, you band together, you, you take a little road trip and, you know, maybe that's the formula that you, that you have and you try to recreate when you get to Brooklyn. But um, not much upside for URI here. Uh, sort of running out of ways to describe them and analyze them uh, as we are 26 games through their season. Yeah, VCU, obviously a, a tough one. You, you lose on a buzzer beater by Zeb Jackson. That was a game that you know, they led by 13 points midway through the second half and, and then offensively you know, just sort of geared down. They, they really struggled to score it. You know, over the last 11 minutes or so. Um, you know, but if you look at the games that they've played against the teams at the top of the league, they, they lose on a buzzer beater to VCU. They've beaten Dayton at home. They were right in it with St. Louis on the road. They've beaten Fordham. Uh, they were in a game with Duquesne on the road. Uh, you know, they should have swept LaSalle. They're in the middle of the league. They beat St. Bonaventure. They're in the middle of the league. Uh, so they have shown that they can compete against the best teams in, in a struggling A-10. Um, but consistency obviously hasn't been there. And, and offensively, they really struggle. Uh, you know, even with Brayon Freeman on this roster, they were not a good offensive team. Um, you know, and, and you look at you know, just a need for talent on that side of the ball. Uh, you can control your effort. You can control your energy. And, and those tend to come out in defensive rebounding. Um, you know, but you need skill to score the ball. You, you need talent to score on the offensive end. And and this team needs several more pieces before they become a contender again in the Atlantic 10. And, and that's going to take some time. Uh, you know, certainly something that Archie Miller and his staff will be addressing in the off season in recruiting, uh, most likely in the transfer portal, in addition to any freshmen who come in. Um, and so we arrive at Wednesday night with them hosting George Washington, uh, Maury, they've got two more chances for road wins at Fordham and at Loyola Chicago. Uh, you know, those two games will come up before they host Davidson in the regular season finale. So let's see if the URI men can break through at some point. 
Um, you know, guys, go to the uh, our three women's teams left. Uh, start with Providence because I think the the Big East is the best league. Uh, you know, among that group. Um, you know, certainly you're you're looking at uh, standings there, uh, and it it's they've got four locks to get in the NCAA tournament. Three bubble teams. Uh, you know, obviously UConn, Villanova, Creighton, Marquette all look like they're pretty safely in. St. John's, Seton Hall, and DePaul uh, will all be on the bubble and sweating it out as we go into Selection Sunday. Uh, Providence is is currently tied for ninth with Butler in that league. Uh, you know, they found it difficult going in the conference. Um, currently on a five-game losing streak, they lost to DePaul at home 86-64 over the weekend. Uh, guys, there just aren't many chances in the Big East. There aren't many easy nights. When you are a team like Providence who relies on some young players, uh, you know, they're just playing in a difficult conference. They need to get better uh, in terms of their roster composition. And you know, it's just unyielding. It's punishing when you play in a league like that. I, I think it's really difficult to get up off the mat and keep going. Yeah, difficult. And, you, you know, you're, you're playing teams like UConn. You're playing players like Maddie Seagrass to Villanova. And it's just like it's, God, it's she's really good, by the way. Really good. I know she's really, really good. good. Um, you know, but the Friars are young and there's we've talked about it before that sophomore class. Um, there's some young talent there that you feel like, OK, get some experience here, um, you know, continue to add some games and, you know, maybe they can step forward. Um, and so, you know, there's there's some youth there. So that's that's the you know, the bright point for the Friars is maybe they can build off some of that. Yeah, you, you look at you look at Providence and you look at what they have coming up, um, you know, and certainly you, you've got some chances here before you go to Mohegan Sun Arena uh, to try to get back on track. Um, you've got you're at Georgetown, uh, a team that's toward the bottom of the standings with you. Uh, you're at Villanova, which will be a really tough game. Obviously, the Wildcats are looking to lock in a top four seed uh, and, and potentially host the first two rounds in the NCAA tournament. And then you have St. John's at home, and and maybe you can play spoiler on Senior Day. That's February twenty seventh at home. You you have a chance to to upset the Red Storm. Uh, you know maybe uh, put a, a little bit of a dent in their chances uh, as they go to the Big East tournament at Mohegan Sun Arena, and that's part of the fun. If you're at the bottom of the league, you know you can play those games like they're your NCAA tournament. Uh, you know your Super Bowl, uh, however you'd like to default. Um, you know, you can use that as fuel going forward. Um, you know, looking at the Bryant women as well, it's looking like the Bryant women have a chance to get into the America East tournament. Uh, you know, only eight teams make it. The ninth team is left out. Bryant is tied with UNH and UMass Lowell at the bottom at 2-12. and 12. Uh, You know, the Bulldogs uh, struggling to make that field. Uh, got a win over UMass Lowell uh, on Wednesday night. Um, before they headed into their bye week, that one could wind up being critical, 63-54. Um, if that's the one that takes them into the field, we saw what they did last year in the NEC, uh, where they were low seed, managed a couple upsets, found themselves in a conference tournament championship game, despite the fact that, that they had a tough regular season. Uh, they nearly salvaged it in March. And, you know, really that's all you're looking for is a chance. And, and Bryant potentially – could get that chance, uh, you know, if they're able to you know, maybe split the last two games with NJIT and Vermont. Um, you know, another team, guys, the last one, the Brown women, uh, you know, we saved them for last because they play in a difficult Ivy League. They've already been eliminated from tournament contention. And, you know, that's not really an indicator of, you know, Brown's performance or the fact that, you know, they're, they're off schedule in some way, rebuilding under Monique LeBlanc. It's just that the top of the league is really good. Columbia would be an at-large team as we sit here right now. Princeton is on the bubble right now. Uh, you know, Harvard and Penn, that's going to be your four-team field going to Ivy Madness. They've separated from the rest of the league. It's almost like two conferences in one. Um, you know, but guys looking at Brown, four and eight, they only won one conference game last year. Um, you know, you look at their win total right now, 10 and 13. Last year, they were a six-win team. Uh, so they have made progress. It's just more – it's much more difficult to measure in what is really a good conference in the Ivy and League. They're a, yeah, they're a young team, Bill. Um, and so, again, it's one of those things where you just want to, you know, get good results here at the, at the end of the season. I think the win over Penn was obviously a big one. 
uh, particularly after, you know, losing to Princeton. Um, you know, I, I just think they, they can play spoiler uh, in, in some of these, you know, last couple of games here. Um, but you just you love to see some of that, you know, in terms of the results uh, against the Quakers. I've told you before, I'm a big Grace Arnley fan. She was a leading scorer in that game. Um, and so this this freshman class for the Bears, you know, really bought into, you know, what the coaching staff, what Monique LeBlanc is trying to build. Um, it is a very difficult league, as you said. But, you know, you pointed out just some of the growth from, you know, um, you know what they have done and, and where they're trying to continue to go. So that's obviously a good sign. Yeah, I mean, just just taking a quick look at that game against Penn, um, you know, obviously Grace Arnley with 20 points, Alyssa Moreland with 14 and eight rebounds. Um, you know, Brown, just really tough effort out there. Uh, you know, Penn, 25 for 74 from the field. Uh, I mean, if you're going to defend like that, you're going to be in most games. Um, you know, Brown has Columbia coming in on Saturday. Uh, Columbia obviously leading the league and. They might not need to win Ivy Madness to get an NCAA tournament bid, uh, you know, depending on what they do their last couple games. If, if they're able to win the two left in the regular season and, and maybe their first one at the Ivy League tournament, they have a chance to be an at-large. Uh, the Ivy League, a two-bid league, which you know, would be really impressive. Um, you know, perhaps a three-bid league if you have a bid stealer. If, you know, Princeton wins out, makes it to the Ivy League final, loses. Potentially, they could go to a first four, and you could have a third team steal one from a Power Five, which would be really impressive. That's what Brown's up against every night. Uh, but making progress in, in the Ivy League. Um, you know, Maury, anything else you'd like to give us uh, based on our field? Did we miss anything here? No, I think we got it all set. You always have it all set, BK. Uh, <laughs> as, we, uh, as we wrap up another pod and uh, we get a little bit closer here, this is this is truly the stretch run now. Uh, as we have a couple weeks left, and uh, you know everyone, you know around the country who who watches March Madness, they love those three weeks. But uh, us us diehards uh, that, that live it day in and day out, we we really cherish Championship Week and. Uh, these last couple weeks will definitely continue to shape uh, the way that those conference tournament brackets uh, will appear. Get those Jerome picks ready, my man. That's a, I'm looking at a two-time winner right now. <laughs> Get those Jerome picks ready. Watch out, everyone. All right, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, you know We will be back with you shortly uh, on the pod. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Thank you all very much.